Hey everybody, this is Tom. Welcome to Run Up the Score. This is a bonus episode where I will be reading to you the article I wrote called Hills I'm Willing to Die On. This is for the 2018 season, and uh, if you guys like it, I'll write one for the 2019 season. If you guys don't like it, I'm writing one for the 2019 season anyway. You're listening to Run Up the Score, a fantasy football podcast. By the way, you can read this article at rutsff.com. So, here we go. 2018 has been a surprising year. North Korea is trending toward total denuclearization, and plastic straws are becoming more hated than AR-15s. This sort of impossible-to-predict sequencing of events is what brings fantasy football owners back year after year. The best we can do is identify the trends and exploit them to the best of our ability. Whether it be fantasy football or life, these small sample sizes sure do make you choose a side quickly. Here are some things I feel very strongly about, fantasy football or otherwise, and I will begin with the latter. SoundCloud rappers are here to stay. I'm sorry if you can't keep your little peeps, RIP, and little pumps straight, but that's only you dating yourself. Artists like Lil Uzi Vert, the Alvin Kamara of the rap game, are racking up plays by the millions on SoundCloud and also the more traditional platforms. Their effect is bleeding into what you may consider mainstream hip-hop as well. J. Cole has an entire song dedicated to hating on Lil Pump and the like, but it fell completely flat. Kanye's 2018 album, Ye, was only 7 tracks and many were quite short. In fact, this is roughly the same length and exact amount of tracks as Lil Peep's debut album, Come Over When You're Sober Part 1, and that was no accident. Kanye doesn't fade into obscurity because, like me, he can see the trends. It's over for Snapchat. This spring, we saw Snapchat mutilate itself and looked on in horror during its UI redesign. It's appropriate that their logo is a ghost if you're picking up what I'm laying down. Have you seen anyone wearing spectacles? Do you even know what they are? This one-trick pony jumped the shark, and folks, Instagram is the clear beneficiary. Remember when Facebook, who owns Instagram, offered to buy Snapchat for a cool $3 billion? Just saying. Jonathan Van Ness is 2018's breakout star. If you haven't watched the Netflix revival of Queer Eye, do yourself a favor and go do that. Every time I watch it, I break into a production-crazed frenzy. Really, I just start building desks and shit. Plus, it just might make you a little bit better of a person. However, people don't really get better than Jonathan Van Ness. He is so clearly the star of the show, and I don't know what he did prior or what he plans to do next, but I would like to buy some stock in him, if at all possible. Yas Queen. Now that I've created the smallest overlapping area of interest in Venn Diagram history, it's time to talk fantasy football. Emmanuel Sanders is one of the best values of the draft thus far. He and Demarius Thomas are finally free of the quarterback room that has held them back in recent times. I'm not saying to not draft DT, but what I am saying is that Sanders will certainly go after him. If you strike last year from the record and still include the 2016 campaign with Simeon and Lynch at the helm, Denver Manny has always finished at or above wide receiver 23, 1,032 yards, 137 targets, 76 receptions, 5 touchdowns, and 13.1 yards per reception. I just listed off his worst year in each category and you were still impressed. He's going in the 7th round and will now have Case Keenum, who ranked 8th last year in deep ball completion rate, throwing to him. You may have seen him throw one or two of those to a guy named Stefan Diggs, who finished squarely in the top 20. 
Cooper Cup will see an increase in target share and touchdowns this year. The Rams' successful season has gifted them a tougher schedule this year, one riddled with star cornerbacks ready to give Robert Woods the clamps. In nine of their 16 games this year, the Rams will play the Cardinals, Chargers, Vikings, Broncos, Packers, Saints, Lions, Bears, Eagles, and Cardinals again. This translates to Patrick Peterson, Casey Hayward and friends, Xavier Rhodes, Chris Harris Jr., first and second round Packers defensive back picks, Marshawn Lattimore, Darius Slay, Kyle Fuller, the defending Super Bowl champs, and then Patrick Peterson again. In over 50% of their games, Woods will be locked up. And while Cook spreads the field, Cup will dominate the middle. Oh, and did I mention that in his rookie campaign, he had more red zone targets than Rob Gronkowski? The Moscow Mule tied for third in the NFL in that metric. Chris Thompson was not a fluke. You can always pay up for a premier PPR running back like Christian McCaffrey, but the savvy know that you are oft able to wait it out on this one. 2018 is one of the final years before that secret is out, as Yahoo and ESPN have now defaulted to .5 PPR and full point PPR respectively, and their ADP in draft lobbies will be displayed as such. Through the first 10 games of each of their 2017 seasons, Thompson had more rushing yards on fewer attempts, more receiving yards on fewer receptions, and more touchdowns than Christian McCaffrey. Geis, who was injured after this writing, but the point still remains, will dominate first and second down touches, but Chris Thompson will be efficient when called upon and is currently being drafted seven rounds behind Christian McCaffrey. Now, I know that Jay Gruden has said Thompson will remain a third down back only, but this should preserve his health and actually help to preserve his season-long value as well. You will be happy that you picked Drew Brees. Birds do it, bees do it, even educated fleas do it. Wait on quarterback in their fantasy drafts. Hell, I advise the listeners of my podcast, new episodes every Tuesday and also Thursdays in season, to do it seemingly every episode. However, when this man starts falling in drafts, you better believe I will select him. People think because he didn't ball out for fantasy last year that he's no longer got it when that couldn't be further from the truth. Breeze actually posted his highest QB rating since 2013. Look, I know their defense is notably better and that their run game is all the rage, but let's face facts. Kamara is going to regress, and Ingram isn't even going to be there for the first quarter of the season. He's still razor efficient, he's still a world beater inside the dome, and he's going to have to pass the ball again. The otherworldly production out of the backfield robbed him of attempts, which created the outlier year we saw, in which, by the way, he still finished as a QB1. Don't reach, but catch him when he falls. Austin Safarian Jenkins has an easy schedule. Love the way I phrased this one, because I can't be wrong. Not only does he have one of the friendliest tight end schedules, but Blake Bortles has one of the easiest quarterback schedules. Week 1, ASJ plays against the Giants, who gave up the most touchdowns to opposing tight ends. They amazingly let up 10 touchdowns in their first 9 games to the position and averaged over 10 points against the position without counting PPR. He's absolutely free in drafts, worth a start week 1 and a speculative season-long ad. Sony Michel is just another Patriots running back in the rotation. Don't expect... Actually, I can stop right there. It's the wrong move to expect anything from the Patriots. The Patriots' backfield has never been an easy one to decipher, and in a year where there are plenty of enticing rookies in great fantasy spots, my advice is to spring for another. The Patriots didn't have to lock Rex Burkhead up this offseason, but they sure did. They've still got my Super Bowl 50 MVP, James White, and for the moment, Mike Gillisley and Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill has buttered his bread at the goal line over the course of his career with 29 touchdowns in his first three seasons. Mike Gillisley converted 25 red zone carries into 5 touchdowns. Rex Burkhead converted 16 red zone attempts into 5 touchdowns. Sony also fumbles more than twice as much as the average running back draft prospect. 
which is a complete and utter no-no under Belichick. I might prefer Royce Freeman, the leadingest touchdown scorer in Pac-12 history, that doesn't fumble and has only Devontae Booker as his competition. But that's just me. Kareem Hunt is a risk. Yes, he led the NFL in rushing yards last year and debuted in an unbelievable fashion, but he is risky. Lest we forget, or forgive for that matter, that Andy Reid caused this man to suffer from a nine-week touchdown drought. The only reason this ended was because Matt Nagy became the play caller, but he now works for the Chicago Bears. Spencer Ware, the assumed starter in 2017, will return to the fold and confuse things even more. Can Kareem Hunt put up RB1 numbers again this year? Yes, but I'm not willing to bet my first round pick on it while the guy is surrounded by studs like Kamara, Barkley, and Gordon, Melvin. Gordon, Josh is a mega risk. Yes, he led all wide receivers in fantasy points in 2013, but he is mega risky. Flash Gordon could truly be the perfect nickname if this season doesn't pan out. Also, yes, I have heard all the arguments to the contrary. We've seen him be wide receiver one before. Okay, so was Demarius Thomas, who is now going a full round later than Gordon. Look, I threw some respect on his name. I've got him as wide receiver 17. But give me Doug Baldwin, Tyreek Hill, T.Y. Hilton, and Adam Thielen over Flash all day. These wide receivers are plus or minus two wide receivers from him in ADP. Each of them should out-target him, as they do not share looks with Jarvis Landry and Duke Johnson, two of their position's most heavily targeted players for years. Kelvin Benjamin is not even a wide receiver three right now. Currently, we know absolutely nothing about what the Bills' offense will look like, or frankly, if they'll even have one. Who will start at QB? Is Shady going to be suspended? These are all completely fair and completely confidence-ripping questions. Seriously, give me suspended Julian Edelman instead. You can call him a double-digit touchdown candidate all you want, but he's never done it, and he hasn't gone over 1,000 yards since 2014, while only 10 Buffalo Bills have ever eclipsed that mark. My favorite a little less than lottery ticket players at their position are as follows. Running backs that don't necessarily need injury to become relevant. LeGarrette Blunt, Kalen Balage, and Corey Clement. Balage and Blunt are plows with TD upside, which makes them relevant right away. Clement is dripping upside, and I unfortunately expect his ADP to climb wildly, but for now, he's almost free. Wide receivers that are massively underappreciated. Cameron Meredith, Willie Sneed, and Dayday Westbrook. The first two exist in offenses where a second wideout usually puts forth a strong showing, and Dayday has the burners and experience that you can't count out. Late round quarterbacks that I have no problem taking on draft day. And I mean this by just these quarterbacks. For my whole roster. Case Keenum, Blake Bortles, and Tyrod Taylor. QB points are so easy to replace, but even aside from streaming, these guys deserve to firmly be in the top 200, but just aren't. You can hear more of me and which hills I'd die on on Run Up the Score, a fantasy football podcast on Apple Podcasts, and of course, the beloved SoundCloud app. You can also find us on Instagram and not Snapchat at RutzFF. You can find all of these players at a perceived discount in draft lobbies all around the world, and you can find Jonathan Van Ness changing lives on Netflix and probably not using a plastic straw while doing it. Guys, that's it. I hope you had a good time listening. Go ahead and click on it on the site for future reference or just save this episode to prove me wrong or right at the end of the year. Um, regardless, keep scoring.